0: Let's talk Scotch whiskey, specifically about the different regions within Scotland, which is something that I don't think everybody fully understands, including myself, even after doing the research for this episode. What's up, guys? My name is Chris, and you are, of course, listening to the Whiskey Noobs podcast. And thank you so much for listening. I do want to start out this episode by saying a special thank you to all the patrons that we have on the Patreon page, and just remind you guys that that page exists. And if you want a little bit of extra whiskey noobs in your life, or or you just want to support the show make sure you go check that out it's at patreon.com slash whiskey noobs i also do put a link in the show notes every week so that you can find it very easily And I just wanted to plug that because, first of all, I appreciate the heck out of our patrons and the amazing support that they have given to the show. And I just want to remind everybody that that support is what is continuing to further the show. There are a lot of new things that I have been able to buy because of the patrons. A great example is the software that I use when doing virtual interviews. Uh, My previous software would lose data sometimes and it would mess up the episodes. And now I'm able to use this nicer software. I got all my data right there. It works so much better. That's just one example. Another thing that it is highly likely to pay for here soon is hopefully video podcasts for everybody. Right now my patrons get video podcasts, but in order to post video podcasts to all platforms, I need a higher end, uh, I guess, membership to my host. They require that I pay them more if they want if I want them to push my episodes to multiple platforms such as YouTube, etc, Vimeo, other platforms like that. So, in order to do that, it takes money. This this is not a free thing for me. This has been coming out of my pocket for two years, which is why I am so incredibly grateful to the patrons who have allowed me to not continually take all of this money out of my pocket. So, just wanted to say that in the beginning because I'm so thankful for you guys, uh, but I will get on with the show, I promise. We are going to, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about the regions of Scotland today. And funny enough, this is one of those areas. I went over the regions of Scotland in, I believe, episode nine of the show over two years ago. And this is one area of my knowledge that I have not grown tremendously in since then. I have tried other regions, things like that. But Scotland, ha- it, it covers such a vast array of different places, I guess is how I would put that. It covers a vast array of different places. They all have different types of flavors, which is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the different regions. And then there's also the fact that some of these regions are really hard to find good bottles of in my area, but I'm likely to start looking online because I, I would like to be trying more scotches. So all of that is to say, I've never claimed to be the whiskey guru who knows everything about whiskey, and this episode is a great example of that. I'm not claiming to be the guru. I am claiming to be the guy who's going to do the research and give it to you in a way that's very digestible, easy to understand, and hopefully, I like to think, kind of entertaining. And that's what we're doing today. So today, I am going to be using online sources, a couple of them just to mention. I used uh, the Scotch Whiskey Association. I also used an article from a website called Wineware. There were a couple other ones that I didn't write down, but I I used a few different resources. I tried to pull together the main points that I felt from each of them and, of course, presented in a way that is easy to understand, which is what we are trying to do right now. So in case you don't know this. Scotch is often divided into regions, so Scotches are said to come from any of a few different regions in Scotland. Typically, it is called they're, they're considered five different regions, although sometimes you will see a sixth region kind of get tagged all, along with the other five. So the five regions that you would pretty much always hear about are Highland, Lowland, Speyside, Campbelltown, and Isla and those are recognized by the Scotch Whiskey Association as the five regions of Scotland. Now, there is also a region that some people consider a region known as the islands, and it is a bunch of islands, as it would sound, uh, off the coast of Scotland. Now, sometimes those get lumped into the highlands because they're up in the highland area, whereas Isla is a little bit south, I believe. I'm really bad at geography, but I was just looking at these maps. But the point that I'm trying to make is that... Sometimes the islands are grouped in with the Highlands. Sometimes they're not, depending on who you ask. So I am going to talk a little bit about them. But the five main ones that you're going to want to remember that you know everybody recognizes, including the Scotch Whiskey Association, Highland, Lowland, Speyside, Campbelltown, and Isla. Those are the ones that you're going to hear about all the time, pretty much. And I am going to dive deeper into Isla in the next episode. So I'm going to mention some things about Isla in this episode. But in the next episode, I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into it with my guest who took a trip over to the Isla region of Scotland, took a trip over to Scotland in general, um, and spent a good amount of time in the Isla region. So we'll be talking a lot about that next week. But for this week, we'll focus mostly on those other regions uh, and kind of dive into what you can expect from each of them. Speaking of diving into these regions, as always, when I give you flavor profiles, when I say this type of whiskey tastes like this, it's very general, it's very subjective. This is just to give you kind of an idea. This is going to be a mixture of my experience and also what I read online, especially for some of the ones that I haven't tried yet. But that brings me to a really fun point. So One of the ones that I haven't tried yet is Campbelltown. and One of the biggest distillers in Campbelltown is Springbank. I've never tried Springbank before, but thanks to my buddy Tim, known as the Whiskey Influencer. If you look him up on Instagram, it's at the Whiskey Influencer. He spells whiskey with no E, the way that it would be spelled in Scotland. So that's the Whiskey Influencer, no spaces, no underscores, and whiskey is spelled. W-H-I-S-K-Y, but I want to shout him out because he sent me some samples so that I could expand my palate a little bit of scotch, and I am going to now be able to do a little review of Springbank Tenure. So this is going to be a complete first impression. I've never had anything from Springbank. I've never had anything from this region of Scotland. I've never had any Campbelltown Scotches. So this is a first impression. I'm going to pour it right now and get a very quick nose of it. And that will be the sort of bonus review for this episode because I didn't plan on any review for this episode. So once again, thank you, Tim. Go give him a follow at The Whiskey Influencer on Instagram. Also, he did send me some really, some other really fun whiskeys that I'm excited to try, and I'm probably going to do quick reviews of those on Patreon, like quick first reactions, because sample bottles don't really do well on main social medias, um, but if you're on Patreon, I assume you're interested enough to watch the video, and then you can see it on there. So, I'm thinking I'm probably going to follow up this episode with some of those. Now I am going to take my first ever nose once again. Springbank 10 from the Campbelltown region of Scotland. I've never had it before, never smelled it before. Let's see what I think. Okay, this immediately something that I wasn't sure was if it was peated or not. It smells very much peated, so I'm pretty sure it is. Hmm, so so far it smells peated, it smells rather peppery, rather salty. Uh, it's reminding me of what I would consider Isla, like what I've had up to this point from the Isla region of Scotland. It's reminding me of that, uh, probably the most of Ardbeg tenure, but I haven't even taken a sip yet. So I'm gonna take a quick sip and then we're going to talk about the regions of Scotland. Now, if you know me, you know, I drink a lot of bourbon and a lot of times some scotches are way too boring for me. And other times, if it's not too boring, then it's so heavily peated that it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm getting nothing but peat. This is a weird medium that I like. I'm interested. It's got a lot of pop similar to a bourbon, but it tastes like scotch with more pop. I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued, and it's not so peaty that it's like, oh my gosh, I can't even stand it. It's peaty, though. Don't get me wrong. It's peaty. It's almost it's almost like lemon, vanilla, black pepper, peat. like that's hmm, that's what I'm getting so far i'm gonna I'm gonna keep sipping on it as we go here, but that that's an intriguing glass of whiskey. I might have to get a bottle of that if I'm able to get my hands on it. It's definitely not in my area without any doubt. All right. <clears throat> Let's move on to the regions of Scotland. Very quickly, going to run through Isla. As I mentioned, we're going to get to it more next week. But it is a small island known as Isla. It's spelled Islay or Islay or Islay. You might hear it pronounced all those ways. It's pronounced Isla. And it's a small island. It's known for heavy peat, it's known for bringing the pain with its whiskey. So, as I mentioned, this is most reminding me of an Isla because it's punchy, it's got peat to it. Isla's pretty much known for that. Uh, some distilleries you might have heard from Isla, Lafroy, Lagavulin, and Ardbeg. We've had Lafroig and we've had Ardbeg, and spoiler alert, Lagavulin is next week. So we will have had all of them on the show by the end of next week. Those are some of the biggest distilleries in that region. And that is all that I'm going to say about that because we're going to talk more about it next week. Now let's talk about the Highlands. Uh, the Highlands take up a huge amount of area. And once again, this is the region that sometimes the islands get lumped into. Or I should say, according to the official, you know, the whiskey is wait, the Scotch Whiskey Association, I think it is. I almost messed that up. The Scotch Whiskey Association. Uh, the islands are part of the highlands, but this is that area that sometimes includes that. Huge area. And because it's a huge area across a lot of land and a lot of different, let's say, regions, cultures, however you want to put it, Uh, it has a large variety in the way the scotch can taste. So sometimes it's going to be peated. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it can be really sweet. Sometimes it can be really dry. Uh, Sometimes you'll have like a real fruity kind of honey taste to it. And I think we've had a couple on the show that would express that a little bit of citrus, a little bit of honey. Uh, Glen Morangi is a great example of that. So uh, common distilleries from the Highlands will be Glen Marangi or Dalmore. Those are both pretty common. Um, and and so there's a huge range, as you can see, just from me telling you Glen Marangi and also telling you sometimes it's peated. That's a you know those are pretty different so I can't really give you a specific thing to expect from the Highlands, but just know that that's why. It's a really big region, uh, a lot of different kind of styles within the Highlands, but a lot of times you're going to kind of get a sweetness, you're going to get a fruitiness. Like I said, sometimes it can be dry, so it's a little bit of a curveball, but that's what to expect from the Highlands. Two biggest distilleries, or at least the ones that I wrote down, uh, Glenmorangie and Dalmore. Now, oh, and also I should mention this, I'm probably going to slaughter a bunch of names of distilleries throughout this episode so be aware that i mess up pronunciations a lot but i've been trying i mean i i definitely think i know how to pronounce all of them in this episode but i like to warn you guys if you haven't been around very long that's been an ongoing joke since i did an entire episode pronouncing chivas as chivas so it's an ongoing joke i can't pronounce a lot of stuff i'm an engineer so not not great with words all right Let's move on to the lowlands. The lowlands are also a rather large region in terms of area, so there is going to be some variation. I, I like to just warn there's variation all the time, because otherwise people are like I had this one and it didn't taste like that. But the lowlands are, are definitely known for having a a malty, soft, kind of herbal, kind of earthy flavor to them. They're they're soft, they're approachable, they're sweet and in easy sippers. I guess is what the way I would put it. And I'm actually not even sure if there are any peated lowland scotches. I couldn't find one specifically online, just a quick search, uh, but I know that it's not common in, in the lowlands. And I know for sure Akintoshan is not peated and it is a very approachable, the Akintoshan American oak that we had on this show specifically, very approachable, uh, very soft, very easy, but it has a little bit of the spice because it was aged in American oak. So you do get some spice. Sometimes they say like a cinnamon or like a toast. You can get a little bit of that. Uh, so it's this kind of nice, smooth, it's, it's almost what I used to think of when I thought scotch is kind of how Lowlands tend to taste, especially the one we had on the show. So Akintoshin is a well-known distillery from the Lowlands. Also, Bladnook, that might be one I'm pronouncing wrong, but I'm guessing it's Bladnook, Uh, That's another another popular lowland distillery Uh, kind of declined over the past years. Uh, The lowlands aren't as prevalent as they used to be. And I think the same has pretty much happened with Campbelltown. But uh, just just an FYI, that's why there's not a ton around me. It might be hard for you to find. The lowland region has decreased a, a fair bit over the past years. The Speyside region is next. So this is a small, densely packed area within the Highlands. So it's kind of like a sub-region, but it is considered its own region very often. You don't say like Speyside within the Highlands. You just call it Speyside. Uh, so it's, it's a, near the River Spey. It's in the Highlands. It's a small region that is just very highly concentrated with distilleries. If I'm not mistaken, it has the highest concentration of distilleries in that area in the world. So like in terms of density of distilleries, it's got the highest. side whiskeys, if they're peated at all, they don't have to be. And we've had a lot on the show that are not. But if they are, they're typically lightly peated. They're typically not very smoky, very heavy peat. Uh, They're sweet, fruity flavors, light spices, things like that. We've had a lot of these on the show. We've had McAllen. We've had Glenlivet. We've had Aberlauer. We've had Glenfiddich. All of those are common uh, side region, and there's a ton. I mean, the list goes on and on. Others that I've even had and not had on the show, uh, I forget the full name of it. But I know Grant is in the name. Spayburn. I've had. Uh, there's a lot in the side region. Just look up a list of the distilleries, and it'll blow your mind. I'm not going to list them here because I don't want to put you to sleep. But those few that I mentioned, so McAllen, Glenlivet, Glenfiddich, and Aberlauer, those might ring a bell if you've been around for a while, and I will say they are all light, sweet. They've got a little bit of like a dry fruit or a fruitiness, some light spice. They're very approachable. Um, I also read in some sources that sherry finish is rather common in the Spayside region, uh, which I think for sure the McAllen we had on was sherry oak. I believe the Aberlour that I had on the show was sherry oak. So it's a common finish, uh, and it gives you that kind of light, fruity, tiny bit of spice flavor that it's very common for that region. Then moving to Campbelltown. So that is what we're drinking here, this Spring bank tenure. It is a very small region that I mentioned earlier is is kind of declining as well. But from what I've heard, actually, Tim, the guy who gave me this sample at the Whiskey Influencer, told me that he thinks it's taking a little bit of an upturn. Uh, people are really starting to realize how good Springbank and a couple of the other distilleries in the area, how good they are. And there's only a couple of other distilleries in the area. Um, so hopefully we'll see like an upturn and see it become more available. But we'll see. Um, but a lot of them are said to be, a lot of Campbelltown whiskeys are said to be bold, kind of dry, kind of punchy. All things that I would say I'm getting from the Springbank tenure so far. Sometimes they have like a sweet saltiness. I definitely would say salty is a characteristic of this one as well. And they often have like a fruitiness to them. So it kind of reminds me of Isla in that way. But I think it, it doesn't lean so heavily on the earthiness of the peat as at least like Laphroaig does, for example. So that's just my vibe from this glass that I'm having and from what I read online. So those are all, like I said, dry, kind of punchy flavors that you can expect from it. And two of the most popular distilleries in the region, there aren't very many distilleries in the region at all, but two of the most popular would be Springbank and Glen Scotia, are two rather popular uh, distilleries in the Campbelltown region. Once again, Springbank being the one that I am reviewing right now. Last, and I don't want to say but not least because it's kind of, you know, not always included. Last, but sometimes not included, is the islands. So like I said, sometimes this is considered part of the highlands, uh, including the Scotch Whiskey Association lumps it in with the highlands. But they can have very peaty scotches as well. So these are all islands off the coast. You might imagine Isla is also an island, so it has this kind of salty, briny Coastal characteristic to it, and these can have that as well. They can have that salty, punchy, peppery taste to them. Uh, I actually have not had one from like what would be considered the islands, at least in the couple of articles that I looked at. Actually, I think I might have had Tausker, that might be a lie, but I don't actually remember. What it tasted like. But Talisker and Highland Park are two of the bigger names in the islands, which you've probably heard of, and which I can't believe I haven't had yet. I know I almost bought Talisker, but I think I might have had some of my buddies. I don't remember for sure. But, yeah, so typically salty, punchy, peppery. It sounds kind of similar to Campbelltown, kind of similar to Isla. I'm excited to uh, try some of them. But, once again, not always considered its own region. Now, I do want to run through really quickly and mention the episodes where I review each of these because a lot of these have been on the show. And so that's exactly what we're going to do. I'm going to bring up my episode list, and we're going to find every Episode that I mentioned of something that I reviewed here. I'm going to run through. It. Extremely quickly because I'm going to edit out the part where I am searching for it. So I did review LeFroig very early on in the show, but then I did a comparison of LeFroig versus Ardbeg in episode number 66. So LaFroyd and Ardbeg, episode number 66. Lagavulin will be the next episode coming out next week. Glenn Ten Tenier was originally on episode 10 of this podcast, but then later on I did have Glenn Moranji Quinta Rubin on the show, which was. Episode number 95, very recent, if you didn't catch that. Then in episode number 54, I did Highland versus Lowland Scotch Review, which was a review of Akintoshan American Oak. Glenn Fiddick 12-year was episode number 31, and then Aberlauer 12-year was episode number 48. Those are both Speyside. And lastly, of course, we've got Springbank 10-year, which is kind of a surprise review because I wasn't expecting to do it, but thankfully I got this sample so that I am able to review it. So those are all episodes where you can go through and you can listen to some reviews of some different scotches. We will definitely be incorporating more scotch as we move forward, trying to learn a little bit more about the different regions and stuff. I do think, and this is going to be my little mini plug for scotch in this episode, Scotch is very often overlooked in the United States. I know bourbon is like the popular thing right now. It's very trendy, but Scotch gets overlooked for that reason. And I would like for people to not overlook it and just make, I mean, if you like bourbon more, that's fine, but make sure you've tried Scotch and make sure you've tried a couple different ones. It's very diverse. As we just mentioned, there's five or six regions, depending on who you ask. So all those regions kind of have their own flair to them. And, It's diverse and it's a whole other category that I promise you does not taste like bourbon. And for the new, new folks listening, that's what I really want to get across is you might be thinking, well, whiskey pretty much tastes like whiskey, especially we're we're splitting hairs just saying bourbon and scotch taste different. Trust me, even people who are very, very new to tasting whiskey know that bourbon, scotch, Irish whiskey, they all taste rather different. A lot of people who are pretty new and are able to taste anything other than just paint thinner, if you're beyond that point, you can tell the difference. You might not know what they taste like, but you know they taste different. So that's just my little shameless plug for scotch whiskey, and I know that it's harder to get around us. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I do so much with bourbon is because I can get it, and people ask for reviews of it, and I can walk into my local liquor store and find a lot of the bourbons that people ask about. But... Shameless plug for Scotch whiskey because it, it is it is very interesting. And I'm excited to continue to dive more into it, which I think is going to be something we see, you know, not in the next ten episodes. I'm just gonna dive into Scotch, but over the course of, of the next, I have no idea, few dozen episodes, you're gonna see me incorporating some more scotch and trying to dive a little bit deeper into it and and Be able to give you guys my thoughts on each of these different kinds of scotch. So I'm looking forward to that. And this Springbank, I keep wanting to say a Glen because so many scotches are Glen. Why are why do they all start with Glen? Uh, I believe Glen is valley in Gaelic. If I'm not mistaken, that's probably why they all start with Glen. Uh, But I am going to dive back into this Springbank 10 year. It's got too normal of a name. Too normal. That's what it is. I can pronounce that name so easily. It's far too normal, which is why my brain doesn't want to even pronounce it. It wants to say Glenn instead. I'm going to dive into this glass and give you guys some significantly more extended thoughts on it if you are interested because this is the first Campbelltown that's ever been on the show and the first Campbelltown that I have ever drank, drunk, drank. I don't. I never learned which version of that word you're supposed to say. Cheers. I'm going to drink some of it now. Now, that was interesting. I'm just one sipping, but... uh it had like a real fruity pop in the beginning that time. I don't even know what kind of fruit, maybe like a maybe like an orchard fruit. Hmm, I'm going to try it again, but that was just that was new. It was the very first like I just took a sip and immediately it had like a fruitiness to it. That was interesting. Wow. This this is a weird one. This is really interesting. I might have to after next week's airs with Lagavulin later on. I might have to compare this to Lagavulin a little bit because I remember, I don't want to give away my review for Lagavulin, so I'm not even going to talk about it, but I'm getting a weird kind of like peaty, peppery bite with this weirdly kind of smooth, kind of honey fruity flavor, and the more I taste it, the more I take. I mean, this is complex. I'll give it that. Uh, I actually don't know what proof it is. Let me look here. 46% alcohol by volume, so it's not like it's some super high proof you know, alcohol bomb. It's just got a lot of flavor to it. I'm impressed right now. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna start pulling from past episodes here. Oh, another Isla that we had on the show was Bunahabin, and I forgot to even tell you guys about that. Bunahabin is an unpeated Isla, uh, or at least one that we had on Bunahabin 12-year. Is a not a peated Isla, but it's it's from Isla, and that was episode number 68. We reviewed Bunahabin 12-year, and I'm going to be pulling from some of these right now. So the Bunahabin had like a salty kind of sour candy vibe to it, kind of a, almost a little lemony. This has a little bit of that. But then also, the, the Ardbag 10-year had kind of a slightly punchier, more black peppery, um, almost like char, I don't know, more gritty flavor to it. Uh, and this has a little bit of that as well. But neither of them are overpowering it. That's what's weird about this so far is that... Usually I can hunt out a little bit of a fruitiness, a little bit of a sour candy. This is almost on the forefront. This is weird. It's got a very fruit forward but still punchy flavor to it that I am enjoying so far. So that's my weird kind of Frankenstein review using other other peated and unpeated scotches that I've had before. Definitely a strong salty brininess. I was almost going to say that it was very well balanced to the point that the, the fruit is very, very present, like almost overpowering the other flavors. But the brininess came in and made me decide that that's not the case. So there is like a strong, salty, salt and pepper. If you've ever eaten like salt and pepper potato chips, like salt and pepper vibe uh, to this that that bogs down that fruitiness a little bit. But still very fruity, still a little bit earthy from the peat and kind of like a lemony, soury, sea spray Type of flavor to it. I'm going to give it one more taste and then we're going to compare to what Springbank says are the flavor notes for this. And I always like to mention, don't always just trust what a distiller says, but I like to give you my unadulterated opinion and then read what the distiller says. So that's what I'm going to do. One more of unadulterated opinion, then we're going to the distiller's notes. This is incredibly, incredibly interesting. I Thank you, Tim, for sending me this. Tim, at the Whiskey Influencer. I am, like, not stumped, but just impressed. Every sip, I'm getting a different flavor. I'm getting something a little bit different. That one, it almost had more of almost herbal with the fruit. It was kind of weird, almost like an herbal, fruity... I don't want to say tea, because that's way too specific. But I I will say, uh, on, like, a high level, I'm getting more of a mix than I usually get. Like I'm not just getting briny and peppery. I'm not just getting earthy and peaty. I'm not just getting fruity and caramely. Not really much of a caramel at all. That's maybe why I'm so intrigued by this. A lot of bourbons, if you're getting a fruitiness, you're getting kind of like a caramel, something else sweet, a brown sugar, a breadiness. This is like just the fruit is the fruit portion of this. It's not the fruit with some other sweetener for me. Uh, so I'm pleasantly surprised. And we're going to read the notes. I'm going to be super wrong because I'm just telling you that it's an herbal tea or whatever I said it was. I'm going to be super wrong. I don't even care because that was an interesting, interesting drink. And there is no such thing as wrong. I, I say that sarcastically for those who don't know. There's no such thing as wrong. Everybody's palate's a little bit different. Of course, there are core notes that every whiskey has, but don't be ashamed to say whatever you think it tastes like, and sometimes it'll be different from what people say it quote-unquote should or does taste like. Now let's get to it. Springbank 10-year. On the nose, it says a gentle coastal... I'm not even going to try this area. A gentle... I'm going to try it. Why did I say I wasn't going to try it, and now I am. A gentle kintyre, maybe probably not pronounced that way if i know scottish words a gentle kintyre coastal breeze why is it so hard to read okay this is where we're gonna learn how much of an engineer chris really is redolent with damp peat redolent i have no idea what that word is i don't think i've ever read that word in my entire life with damp peat let's start from the top here A gentle kintyre coastal breeze, redolent, if that's how you pronounce that, with damp peat, identifies this as one of Campbelltown's finest. Fresh orchard fruit, boom, I did, I'm pretty sure I said orchard fruit, that's, I'm impressed with myself there. Orange zest, heather, and honey, combined with malt and vanilla notes to offer a warm welcome to Springbank's flagship malt. So far, I'm digging it, so let me give you the the dumbed-down version of that, which is what I prefer, Uh, a little bit of damp peat, a little bit of peatiness, a little bit of orchard fruit, some orange, some herbal honey mixture, malt, vanilla, those sorts of things. Then on the palate, it says equal measures of complexity and robustness with an oily mouthfeel and plenty of spice, pepper, nutmeg, and cinnamon. Definitely spice, uh, you know, it mentions multiple spices: pepper, nutmeg, cinnamon. Definitely spices. Um, I agree with that so far. And then it continues to say, the orchard fruit and malt notes from the mo- nose continue, providing balance and character. Couldn't agree more. There's a great balance between the fruitiness and the spiciness of this. What I would add in is a a, a large amount, in my opinion, of brininess. So that brininess is kind of a third character or it almost – got this balance between the fruitiness and the spiciness. The brininess almost coats all of those in like a salty, you know. You can have a salty fruit-flavored thing. You can have something that's covered in spices like a pie or something that's kind of salty or too salty. Uh, It's kind of like that. It's like you've got both of those but they're also salty in my opinion. So dumb down notes for the palate. It says – Oily mouthfeel, which I didn't even mention the mouthfeel. I'll try it again here in a minute, even though now I'm going to be biased. Oily mouthfeel, with plenty of spice, pepper, nutmeg, and cinnamon, orchard fruit, malt notes, and then balance is kind of the summary there. And then the finish. It's, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to look for this. It says sweet salted caramel, toffee, and drying peat prolonged to round off this signature malt. Salted caramel is interesting, especially because I didn't think I really got caramel, but I bet now that I think about it, I'll be able to because I'm going to be biased. But let's try two things here. I'm going to mention the mouthfeel and try not to be biased about it, and then I'm going to see if I get any salted caramel because that's super interesting. Hmm, Okay, so the mouthfeel, I don't know if I would describe it as oily just because usually when I think a scotch was an oily mouthfeel, I'm thinking like pretty oily. This is like, this is weird. It's not dry. Like it's not like super dry, dry out your tongue, anything like that. But it has a, the, the spiciness and the saltiness almost convince your brain it's dry a little bit. And then it's just like, it's just ever so slightly it dries out your tongue. So like, it's more in the middle. I don't know if I would really describe it as oily or describe it as dry, personally, just based on what I've had. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of in the middle. It's not going to just dry out your tongue and feel like you have cotton balls in your mouth. That's for sure. Then this this sweet salted caramel they talk about. Here, here's what's happening, in my opinion. You're getting a sweetness that, for me, almost entirely comes from the fruitiness, actually. Uh, maybe it's like a fruity, honey sweetness. And you're getting a saltiness. And because of that, sure, if I look for it after I swallow and those flavors are kind of mingling in my mouth, sure, you could say it's salted caramel. I think that might just be a very clever note that they put that almost seems like the combination of some other notes. But, I mean, I'm not going to judge them. I mean, That could absolutely be a flavor that you're getting. I'm not saying that I'm, like, the judge, the arbiter Arbiter is definitely not the right word there, but I'm not going to say that I am the final judge of this. I'm just saying to me, it doesn't seem super salted caramel. It kind of seems like other things that I would say, oh, yeah, I could see those combining to taste like salted caramel. It does have a dry peat. And I can see kind of the toffee, the sweetness almost kind of mellows out into this darker kind of heavier sweetness on the palate. It's very light. It's very bright. Uh, And then because of that char, that peat, that earthiness, those sweets do kind of mellow into darker sweets. So that could also be why you could argue salted caramel is because it kind of does mellow into these darker sweets, in my opinion. I'm going to give it one last taste, kind of just a, a quick summary of my feelings on it. Um, because here's what I'll say. I'm, I'm impressed. I'm intrigued. I'm impressed that. Yeah, that's what I can say right now. I'm going to try it again. I'm just sitting here. My brain's going a million directions tasting this. I think I'm going to have to do, uh, like a TikTok, YouTube short Instagram reel of blinding this versus art bag. Cause I, it's been a long time since I've had art bag, I think it's peatier and a little bit harsher, not harsher, punchier is the, the right word there. I think it's peatier and punchier, but I don't know for sure. It's it's weird. This is good, though. I think Ardbeg is peatier and punchier, to be clear, not Springbank. This is coming across as it's got that peat and it's got that punch, but it's got this sweetness underlying it that makes it pretty complex. Um, maybe, maybe I am, I don't want to say overthinking. What's the word here? Maybe I am impressed by this as a first impression, but maybe when compared to others, it doesn't have the layers and complexity that others do. But maybe it does. That's why I want to do a blind tasting. So that's just a little plug for something that's probably going to be happening here in the future if I write it down and don't immediately forget about it. So look forward to that. I have to buy a bottle of it first, which hopefully I can get my hands on once again. But one more time, shout out to Tim at the Whiskey Influencer. He uh, doesn't have the E in his. It's W-H-I-S-K-Y. Hopefully I spelled that, yeah. At the Whiskey Influencer, spelled with no E. No spaces, no underscore, something like that. Thank you for sending that over. This has been a really cool review. I'm intrigued. You, you're you trying to sell me on scotch, and you're doing a good job. I'm definitely going to be trying more of it and including it on the show for you guys. Hopefully that's what you want. Let me know. Let me know. You know, you knew this was a Scotch Whiskey episode coming up or you've listened to it now. Do you want to hear more about Scotch? Uh, Are there specific areas that you want to hear more about? Anything specific, you can include that in those Q&A episodes if you'd like. Um, Or just shoot me a DM, shoot me an email. DMs are really hard to get to nowadays, but whatever. Let me know, especially you guys on the Patreon. You can comment it. You can put it in your Q&As. Uh, Let me know what you guys think, and I'm excited to – I've already tried it, but I'm excited for you guys to be able to hear me try Lagavulin 16 because that was another delicious pour, and I will be once again trying that again next week. This has been my quick overview of the regions of Scotland, which I haven't gone over since very early in the podcast, and so I wanted to. The regions of Scotland, what you can expect, distilleries from each of them, and then, of course, a review of this Springbank 10 year, which is from the Campbelltown region of Scotland. Hopefully, you guys got something good from it. I hope I didn't just gush over the Springbank 10 the whole time because I think it's because my expectations were super low for Campbelltown because I couldn't find it anywhere. It's so like this must all taste bad, you know, or not bad, but just be nothing special. And I would argue to say that was something special. That was different than any scotch I've had so far. I'm excited to try more of it. Hopefully you guys are too. I will leave you guys with, this is a great example right here. I thought Campbelltown was going to suck. And if you want to learn to drink, then you got to drink to learn. Cheers guys thank you guys for listening to another episode of whiskey noobs if you need more whiskey noobs content in your life make sure you check out our patreon page in the show notes and if you like the show please make sure to leave a five-star rating or review it only takes a couple of minutes and they're way more helpful than people realize if you want to do tastings alongside the show make sure you join the email list by sending an email to whiskey noobs podcast at gmail.com with a subject line that says email list you'll receive monthly emails with a list of the whiskeys that will be featured throughout the month so that you can buy them ahead of time you can also find more whiskey noobs content on instagram at whiskey underscore noobs and on tiktok at whiskey noobs podcast once again thank you guys for listening the whiskey noobs podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol